Looking pretty good today. Glad you're here. Hey, this is week number four. <clears throat> wow. Be careful what you pray for. Well, we celebrate a month today, and you know, and in no time flat, we'll be looking to say we celebrate a year. And um, you know, so uh, glad you're here and, and decided to come back. Um, and uh, it's it's always great. You know, Christianity is often confusing. Uh, it, it's it's filled with paradoxes and oxymorons and. The least, the last shall be first, the least shall be the greatest. All those things don't compute to us. Uh, Forgive and you'll be forgiven. You know, I mean, all of those things to me are, you know, difficult for our our mind to take in. Just just confusion. We're all a little confused. And there was a uh, an elderly lady driving uh, on a freeway and and uh, it was perplexing to the officers. He watched her go by because she was going going 35 miles an hour on a freeway. And he's like, you know, this is dangerous. This is, you know, this is going to get somebody killed and maybe her. And he noticed there were other people in the car with her. And so he, he decided to pull her over because she was way under the minimum speed limit. And uh, so he pulled her over and he's just inquiring, wonder why she's going so slow. So she pulls over and he goes up to the window and he says, ma'am, do, do you realize that you're, you're going 35 miles an hour? She said, well, that's what the sign said. And he said, no, ma'am, that's Highway 35, and uh, and he as he's looking in the car, he sees these other three elderly women who are just they their faces are just like a ghost. And he said, uh, well, "Well, you know, I just need to inquire. They look scared to death. What's wrong?" She said, "Well, we just got off of Highway 95," and so uh, <laughs> just a little confusing. From time to time, you know, and so hopefully uh, today you won't walk out of here as confused as you walked in because some of you go, how did we get here? And some of you are here for a wedding. That was last night. Uh, so, um, but we, we'd like for you to stay. We're going to have a good time. Uh, turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 23, and uh, we're doing a series entitled, It Is Not Good. Now, how many of you know there are things in your life that that you just need to realize are not good. They're not helpful. And some of those things are, you know, like last week I talked about it's not good to be alone. And some people say, well, you know, I don't have to go to church to go to heaven. I agree 100%. But it's not good to be alone. The Bible says two are better than one for they have a greater return on their work. A strand of three cords is not easily broken. That fellowship and being together is critical to our spiritual health and our spiritual growth. So it's not good to be alone. And uh, today, I would say it's not good to talk too much. (laughs) And at the end of this sermon, y'all be reciting that to me. You talk too much. But so I entitled it basically, it's not good, so shut up. Most of you won't remember it's not good to talk too much, but you'll remember. He said it's not good, so shut up. <laughs> you know, I remember one time I said shut up in church, and a lady came up to me afterwards. How many of you know that when you got a lot of people, there are a lot of opinions? And she said, we don't use shut up in our house. I said, well, we do in God's house, so maybe you ought to apply it at home. And I wanted to say, because I want you to shut up right now, you know. <laughs> but... <laughs> You know, so there are just times 
that you have to silence the voices outside your head and the voices inside your head. Because you're, you're going to make decisions in your life that are for your life. They may not be for everybody else's life, but they're for your life. And once you have a, a yes and amen from God inside you, then that's a yes and amen from God. And so there will always be voices outside trying to address the voice of God inside because the battle is between good and evil, spiritual darkness and, and eternal light and the brilliance of God. And so we're always battling those things in our lives. And the challenge is that we measure our lives by uh, humanity. We measure our lives by those around us or the culture in which we live. But the true measurement of life is measured against the word of God, not against the cultures of man. Now, it doesn't mean we don't honor cultures in, in Africa and places that I've gone. There are, there are cultural and traditional things that, that you honor, but, but you don't worship. And, and, and those, everything has to be measured uh, against the word of God. I mean, in, in America, Africa, India, wherever it might be, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength doesn't change on any continent. It, it's the same everywhere. And so we have to fight the a culture that is continually adjusting to uh, fit categorically uh, certain persuasions that we may disagree with, and so we have to we have to look inside ourselves, and we have to measure you know our relationship with God against the Word of God. So, in this particular passage of Scripture in Luke chapter twenty three, uh, Jesus is about to exit the world. Uh, in a very, very difficult fashion. And it says, printed over him was a sign, this is the king of the Jews. Now, this is the message Bible. One of the criminals hanging alongside cursed him. Some Messiah you are, save yourself. Save us. But the other one made him shut up. See there, it's in the Bible. Have you no fear of God? You're getting the same as him. We deserve this, but not him. He did nothing to deserve this. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you enter your kingdom. And then Jesus' reply is, don't worry, I will. Today, you will join me in paradise. Now, that passage of scripture theologically has divided not just cultures but churches and denominations because there are scriptures that support be saved and be baptized. But the reality is we must interpret scripture the, the scriptures that aren't obvious in light of those that are, the unclear in light of the clear. I don't think we can debate that when Jesus said, today you will join me in paradise, that, that there's any other way to interpret that in any other language. Jesus was saying to this man, because of what you just said and your acknowledgement of who I am and asking me, if you will, to let you come along, I'm going to say yes. The debate is that how could this man 
first off, without being baptized, enter the kingdom of God. I'm just being provoking right now. I just want you to stay awake for a minute here. Because he, you know, he wasn't baptized, and yet Jesus invites him into his kingdom. Now, here's my theology, here's my theory on this. That Jesus, in that moment, in front of all these people, is basically making a statement about what it takes for you and I to find our innocence and our entrance into heaven. This man could do nothing. He couldn't pray like this because he's nailed to a cross next to Jesus. He couldn't do any of the things that today we might consider measuring tools for Christianity or for repentance of any type. All he could say is open his mouth and say, remember me. And in that moment, his entire world changed. And what Jesus is pointing out is that innocence doesn't come through performance. Innocence doesn't come through performance. It comes through faith in Jesus Christ. And in this dark hour, one thief gets it and the other doesn't. Now, in Proverbs 17, 26, says, it is not good to punish an innocent man or to flog officials for their integrity. Now, when I read that, it's in the Old Testament, and the reality is, there is not one righteous, the Bible says, no, not one. Implying there is not one who is innocent, no, not one. So how do we get to that place of innocence in Christ? And it's just that simple. It's only found in Christ. Christ was punished to make us righteous, to make us innocent. So now if that be true, it is not good to punish an innocent man. How many of you, if you have kids, let me just give you a child lesson here. Most of the time, your children do not have evil motives. Children, if you're in here, I'm helping you out today. You've got to show me some love on the way out. I'm getting ready to throw you the biggest bone you've ever gotten in your life. Children don't sit around and meditate on how to make their parents' life miserable. They're born with that gift. It's not evil motive. It's, it's not evil motivation. They're born with it. They're just being children. They, they don't sit around and conspire and draw up strategies and plans when they have siblings to say, now, there are three of us and there are two of them. We win. <laughs> what I'm saying is this, that if we're created in the image and likeness of God, and that every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights. God's intention for all of us, God saw all of us as innocent. And the Bible says nothing shall separate us from the love of God. Nothing. There's nothing. And if that be the case, please understand this. In that moment, when he says, remember me, and Jesus said, done, today, not next year, or I'll have a discussion with the Trinity, I'll get back to you. 
And I'll let you know if that's going to be possible for you to enter heaven. Jesus had authority in that moment to make that statement. He still has the same authority. And he's not measuring your eternity or my eternity against our ability, but against his ability. He conquered death, hell, and the grave. Now, there's no license here to to sin. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm going to tell you right now, there's not one of us in here today that will not battle a complex of sin in our lives. Not one of us. And so the challenge is over time, if we don't watch what we say and we're not careful about what we hear, we will cash in the very life, grace, and mercy that Jesus gave us on that cross. And it's very easy to do after a bad week, a bad day, and, and, and things that we do in our lives. It's very easy to sacrifice those things and sabotage our destiny. Christ was punished to make us innocent. Very simple. And sometimes in our Christianity, in our faith, in our religion, it's very, very easy for us to forget why we call ourselves Christians. You don't call yourself a Christian, nor do I, because I'm good. I call myself a Christian because God is good. And here's the challenge. I... I, I, (laughs) had a person come up to me when we right the, the Sunday either before or after we started the church and so it's been recent you know what I'm saying <laughs> this conversation didn't happen a long time ago it happened like Neh. now this is what pastors deal with today that's brand new and this is where I'm going to do a disservice to you parents because you got to go home and explain this and so but I have people come and say you know I got to ask you a question and, and it's, pastors always get the funkiest questions. Like, you know, I want to come to your church, and, and you know, I, 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 but I have this little issue. <laughs> when, when that, when that, you're just like, I don't even want to ask, la, 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 you know, <laughs> don't want to know, blah, 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 blah. And when this individual told me that, you know, they, they smoke a little weed, My natural first response was, well, this is not Colorado. <laughs> but I, I, I didn't, you know. I, I, but, you know, basically what they were trying to say is, is it okay if I come? Secondly, will you accept me? Will you accept me? Well, you know, from what I see, you see, sometimes, first off, acceptance doesn't make everything all right between you and God. It just makes everything all right between you and me. So let's start right there. But it's not my job to force you to do anything. The thief on the cross that looked at Jesus, nobody told him what to do. He did it because it was in him to do it. He didn't look around the crowd and say, how would y'all feel if I looked at this man who you're crucifying that some say is the son of God and I ask him to accept me, how would you feel about that? He knew what he needed to do. But here's the problem. Acceptance is great. But let me tell you, if you're looking for 
horizontal acceptance to make your life wonderful is never going to happen. You know why a lot of people lie? They don't want to lie and they don't lie for lying's sake, but they lie so you'll like them. They lie so you'll like them. And I mean, I get questions, so I, you know, there, there's, here's my response. You say, well, how do you avoid that? Because I, I mean, it's nice to be liked. You know, I'm hoping a few hundred more people like me at some time. Amen. It'd be nice. <laughs> but, but, but the fact is that uh, now somebody direct messaged me and asked me about a person that, that they, were, they wanted to go to counseling with. And said, what, cause I knew him and said, what do you think? Well, you know, I, I wanted to say all kinds of different things. But what I said was, I said, well, you know, I don't know them as a counselor. What they were looking for me to say to them was, can you accept them so I can accept them? Folks, let me tell you, there's a reason that Jesus left the Holy Spirit. He left the Holy Spirit to instruct us, to speak to us. You get this check in your heart. And, and, and you need to stop and alter your life and your decision with that check. And if you feel better because someone accepts you, then your feel good is connected to humanity. And that never works. I mean, face it, we all like to be loved, but I, I'm, I'm going to have a good time with Jesus whether I'm accepted or not. You know why? Because he's crazy about me. And if you're not, you're going to have to talk to my father. I mean, he's crazy about you. And, and whenever somebody around you is crazy, just look at them and say, but he's crazier about me than you are crazy. So his crazy trumps your crazy. Because he's about me. You know, I've had people that in the last couple of years that wanted me to accept so that they would feel better. Here's the reality. Acceptance will never do for you what repentance will do in you. If you want to feel good, just repent. And then that'll really irritate religious people because religious people always want you to pay according to their level or standard of payment. Jesus paid on the cross for your innocence and for your acceptance through your repentance. I can't jump through any more hoops in my life. I'm hooped out. I've done all the hoops. And what I realize is there's only one place to find my joy, acceptance, forgiveness, grace, and mercy, and that is at the cross where this thief looked at the Jesus I look at today, and he said, remember me. And I hear Jesus saying, I never forgot you. Don't you forget it. I've never forgotten you. But we fall prey to cultural Standards, and we pay penance, and we look for acceptance instead of just going to the cross. During the early dark days of, of my process of healing, 
I'd get up and I'd pray every day and I'd cry out to God, forgive me, forgive me. And on about the third or fourth day, God used these words, shut up. I don't care what you say. You can try to tell me he didn't. You weren't there. And he said, you know what? Every time you do that and say that, you make a mockery of the cross my son died on and the blood he shed for you. You don't think I've forgiven you? Come on. He said, now I'll do the talking around here. People ask me if I prayed. No, I listened. Problem is we pray too much and listen too little. And God said, I want you to listen to me. I would listen and write every day seven to eight pages of what God was downloading into my life. See, the approval of man is a counterfeit comforter. If you're looking for the acceptance and approval of humanity, it's a counterfeit comforter. I can't tell the difference in a $100 counterfeit bill or a real one, but there are people who can. And that's the problem. Most people cannot tell the difference in real comfort, the comforter, the Holy Spirit, and a counterfeit comforter, which is somebody likes me, someone approves of me, someone's accepted me. You're accepted by God. It doesn't get any higher than that. And so if you're finding comfort in other people's acceptance of you, you're not going to find comfort very long because all you got to do is wake somebody up in the middle of their nap. (laughs) Or ding a car door of somebody who really cares, like me. It doesn't take much to ruffle the feathers of humanity. At least my feathers being a crow. (laughs) The point of innocence in our lives is not when our performance is perfected, but the moment our repentance is recited. I know some of you think you perform perfectly. Let me help you. Your mother lied to you. I wrote like 100 things I learned in life, and one of them was I wasn't everything my mother said I was. I mean, she was trying to be sweet and kind, but I wish she looked at me and said, Son, I just want you to know because of your father and myself, stupid will always be a part of your life. (laughs) And we love you anyway. I wish that's what she would have told me instead of, you're wonderful, you're perfect, you're my son. You can do no wrong. If you're about to have children, write that down. They'll grow up a lot healthier in knowing that God loves stupid people. I know it's over the top for some of you. (laughs) Okay, he loves us in the midst of our stupid behavior, because he does. He does. Guilt is too great a weight for us to bear, and he didn't expect us to bear it because he bore it on the cross. Those who are in Christ 
are innocent even though sometimes, if not oftentimes, their performance doesn't look like it. This is very difficult because we've all had things go wrong in our lives and some of you may have had someone steal something very close to you or harm someone very near to you. It's very hard to see people who have hurt you as innocent. Think about this a moment. When Jesus is hanging on that cross, the famous words, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Jesus makes a statement that clearly lets us all know that he sees them as innocent of this act. Not sure I could do that. If I'm the son of God, I'm gonna probably play a son card. It's okay, dad. It's time now. Smite a third of them, let them know I'm good. All you need is a third. Two thirds will get it, they'll repent. But Jesus makes a statement in that moment. You see, there's really nothing once you've exercised faith in God. Because the Bible says, all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. But then it goes on to say, nothing shall separate us from that love. Nothing. Now, it doesn't say nothing except it says nothing. So if it says nothing shall separate us from the love of God, that's what the scripture means in any language, in any culture. The challenge with that is that things separate us from the love of man. What kind of world would it be if we operated 100% of the time in love? Now, we all have the issue of, well, if you, everybody's heard this and we've all said it, let's face it. If you haven't, then we're gonna cast a lying spirit out in just a little bit. <laughs> if you loved me, if you really loved me, that's the next statement after if you loved me. Because if you loved me didn't work, so we had to go with the really. <laughs> Supersize it. <laughs> if you really loved me, it's called conditional love. Jesus didn't look to the thief. If you really loved me, you wouldn't be hanging here, you thief. Didn't say that. Didn't even ask the guy if he loved him. If I'd have been Jesus, would you love me? How much do you love me? Jesus said, done, done, done. And then we want Jesus to smite people who even mess with us a little bit. Romans 8, 1, famous passage of scripture, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You know, I don't, I don't like that for everybody. I like it for me. I like that passage for me. I don't want everybody using that passage because they some people, I just want there to be condemnation. But I like that for me. Not everybody in here going to use that in my scripture. I trademarked that. You cannot use it. 
there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. The statement here is innocence in Christ. None of it. We all have a person in our mind, not just a person in our mind. We have an image. You can see their face right now. You can see it. It's like, come on, Jesus. God, I'm doing good. I only have one face I want you to slap. I only have one. My cousin has 10. I'm righteous. Because I only got one face. I'm good. I'm all that. And that's how we measure our innocence is based on our performance. Our innocence is not based on our performance. It's based on the performance of the cross. That's how we're innocent. Because some of y'all be going home, he knows that face. I know he does. (laughs) Condemnation in that moment gave way to redemption. Even the guilty can be treated as innocent through love. Let me take it that far. Since we're not the judge, why don't we just treat everyone as innocent? Because they're guilty, filthy, dirty, sick. And I want them to suffer. And once they've suffered to the level of my satisfaction, well, aren't you just Jesus Jr.? Then I'll release them. Well, then somebody hates them more than you, so they'll never get free. Everybody wants them to suffer. What would happen if we saw people the way Jesus saw those people who nailed him to the cross? Now, here's how I do this. Let me help you with this. Here's the only way I get by with this. I have a, my youngest is 17. She's driving. This is my fifth driver. I'm glad it's my last driver. (laughs) And so, you know, I've taught all my kids to drive and 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 you know, she's she's really highly principled. She is very smart and, and she's very sweet and very sensitive. And I, on the other hand, think that certain people should go to driving school every year. Driving is an art form. It's not a vehicle to get you from point A to point B. It's to get you there with class finesse without irritating other people. I I instruct people how to drive from my car. I'd like to put a megaphone on the top of it with a microphone inside. Turn your signal on now. And I have a tendency to to say those things out loud. I wish I could keep them in my head, but there again, there are voices that you have to ignore and there are voices you need to stifle. And my daughter looks and says, Dad, and I said, they can't hear me. She said, but I can. And and in her 17-year-old wisdom, and when I say that, I'm being truthful, Dad, would you say that if it was me? I said, well, absolutely not. She said, then don't say it. 
you need to see every driver like it's me because you love me. So now, my estrogen levels have gone up. And I truly, when someone is driving in unpleasant fashion, her name comes in here. And immediately, they become innocent in my heart because of the love in my heart. You're such a precious crowd. It's really helped me. It really has. I mean, I'm like, I, I now understand that, that only, it's only through love that we can truly see others as innocent. Because we're all sinners who have fallen short of the glory of God. So you're just a mess and I'm just a mess and we're just a mess. We just are. We're just, a, we're just a bunch of people just covered with sin, the desire to sin. And the only way we can possibly love each other, see innocence, is to love each other. It's the only way we can do it. If I can, I mean, now that Victoria has enlightened me, I try to look at everybody like it was her. Because I am crazy about that girl. And so we all have to, we've been seen as innocent by God. And God knows what you were doing this morning. That's a scary thought right there, isn't it? I've often wondered if God would not allow angels to look upon our showers. I just thought, God, please, would you just darken heaven? But God knows the thoughts in our minds. He knows everything. And, and you say, how could God possibly see me as innocent? Because he loves you and he loves me. And that's how he sees our innocence. And so we have to be careful to not listen to the voices around us, buy into the voices within us. And sometimes when you're quiet, it doesn't mean you're not sinning. As a man thinks in his heart... So is he. So, so you quiet people that ever, you fooled everybody into thinking you're angels, we know what's going on in there. I think it's Joan Rivers who said, I, I made a living saying what everybody else was thinking. I mean, you know, my dad used to always say, watch out for quiet people. And some of you really, you're gonna, you're gonna be offended. I know this is not the way to build a church. But the fact is that we're not innocent because we're quiet. We're innocent because of the cross. That's the only way. That's how this works. See, when we return evil for evil, the similar evil will visit us. It's, it's the law of reciprocity. So, so, for instance, if Adam looks at Eve... And I, I really want to have a small group with Adam and Eve when I get to heaven. 
I really want to be in a small group. I really want to hear their thoughts. Because I'm thinking, you know, so you do something, someone blames you for the behavior that you did, they behave a certain way. I just decided anybody who says anything to me, I'm taking it back to Adam and Eve. I would not be a sinner had they not eaten from that tree. That makes sense. I wouldn't be. We'd all be running around, wouldn't need Nordstrom's, Macy's, Dillard's, or nothing. We wouldn't need any of that. Some of you will get this about two in the afternoon. So, so the fact is, if we really want to keep, don't blame your wife anymore. Don't blame your kids. Don't blame your boss. Just look at your boss and say, you know, I'm going to have a discussion with Adam and Eve. Because I would be perfect and you would be perfect had they not eaten from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Fact is, folks, let me tell you something. They did. As a result of that choice, we all are stuck with the choices that we now make. So, it's kind of how come he said, don't return evil for evil. And lastly, everyone in Christ should be treated as innocent. They should be treated that way. I know that people hurt us. People hurt you. People hurt me. I hurt people. There's not a person in this room today that has not been hurt by someone else. And you know, if there is one of you, I'd like to invite you to preach next week and tell us all about that. (laughs) We've all been hurt by other people. And you know, here's what people say. Well, and and I've heard this for years, you know, I've been hurt by the church. Yeah, in every church, because we all have. I've been hurt by McDonald's. My cholesterol went up. For years, I took my kids to McDonald's. I'm really irritated at McDonald's for all that deep fried stuff. We've all been hurt. But you like to eat so much, we forget how much that hurt us, you know. It's like, gotta eat, (laughs) you know. We've all been hurt. And so if you say, well, you don't understand, Everybody in this room understands. Now, to what degree? It may vary, but the reality is everyone has been hurt. And you know what? I'm not going to get to stand before Jesus and say, you don't understand. (laughs) Here's a guy, an innocent man, who saw a guilty human race and hung on the tree, hurt by generation after generation after generation and yet father forgive them because they don't know what they're doing you've heard the old saying is forgiveness is like unforgiveness is like battery acid or like drinking battery acid you drink it expecting someone else to die forgiveness unforgiveness the same way if you don't forgive it doesn't hurt the person you haven't forgiven it hurts you and so for all of us Understanding how powerful this principle is that you can change someone's life by seeing them as innocent because you love them. Because quite frankly, we're all in that place. Proverbs 25, verse 21. This is not a scripture that you're going to hang on the refrigerator. Okay? This is not a, this is not a magnet scripture. You know, magnet scriptures like, oh, I know Jeremiah 29, 11. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you a hope in the future. Yippee-ki-yay. <laughs> yeah, that's for me, God. 
one of those scriptures that God, you promised if I was obedient, I'd be blessed in the city, blessed in the country, blessed coming in, blessed going out. I'll be the head and not the tail, above only and not beneath. Though my enemies come at me from one direction, they'll flee in seven. No heaven formed against me, I'll prosper. We got all those, and then this one comes along. If your enemies are hungry, give them food to eat with x slacks in it. <laughs> oh, that's my translation. <laughs> Almost time to quit. (laughs) Give them food to eat. If they're thirsty, give them water to drink. Verse 22, I grew up in a very angry church. (laughs) Most of you over 40 grew up in an angry church because back in the day, they knew they weren't going to get anybody to act right to go to heaven, so they just scare the hell out of you. That was a whole plan. We're just going to give you scripture to scare you. We love you so much, we want you to live a scared life. <laughs> and it, Children love that too. <laughs> you will heap burning coals on their heads, and the Lord will reward you. I grew up believing that if I was nice to somebody, I was going to hurt them. Yeah, I'm going to be nice to you, and you're going to be sorry I was nice to you, you wretch. That's what I thought it was. I'm going to burn you up. I'm putting hot coals on your head. You know what that really meant? Out in the desert, it get really cold at night. It get really cold. And what, he, what, what, what the author is saying is, I want you to take warmth to your enemy. I'm not sure I'm that saved. (laughs) If there are levels of salvation, I'm just one short of that one. (laughs) But that's what it means. Not only feed them when they're hungry, give them something to drink when they're thirsty, but in the middle of the night, when you're cold and they're cold, I want you to get up and I want you to get some coals from the fire and I want you to put it in a basket and I want you to put it on their head and I want their bodies to be warm as a result of you loving them so that you can see them as innocent. That's the heartbeat of God. That's the will of God. Because in our carnal mind, the greatest pleasure we get is to punish people the way they've punished us. Oh, the joy. My flesh feels so good. My flesh relishes in watching someone suffer who made me suffer. My flesh right now, it's just feeling so good. And my spirit is dying with that mentality. It destroys us. So maybe loving someone that is guilty is the greater punishment. I've had people love me when I should not have been loved by them. And I really wanted them to hate me because I would have felt better. (laughs) But they were nice to me. And in their niceness, 
the sweet conviction of the Holy Spirit comes and he says, I love you and I see you as innocent. Love never fails. Love never, ever, ever, ever fails. So it's, um, I'm gonna close with this thought because you'll be able to tell where you are by what you say. You'll tell where you are by what you say. I can, I can listen to myself and go, where did that come from? Didn't know I was thinking that until I said that. Any of you ever been there? I'm a little slow, but sometimes when I hear things, I go, I, I, I've actually said out loud, I don't want to feel this way. God, I don't want to think this way. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. So much of who we are comes by what we hear. So my words often indicate where I'm living. Am I living in the past, the present, or the future? Listen to what you say when you speak and you'll know where you live. I wish my parents hadn't. I wish I had lived in a different place. I wish I had lived at a different time. That tells you where you're living. Suffering is caused by denying yourself the moment. Well, I can't wait until I get a better job. What you're implying is, I will suffer until I do. I wish I'd have had a different upbringing. Until you come into today, you will suffer for yesterday. Our freedom is found in the moment in which we live, which is why Jesus said, don't worry about tomorrow because tomorrow has enough trouble of its own. Live today. Yesterday is gone. Yesterday is history. And tomorrow is a mystery. Today is all we have. So we've got to enjoy the day. Father, thank you for this moment that we have together. We celebrate your life, your love, your grace, your mercy. As the thief on the cross simply said, remember me. He didn't go into a long intercessory prayer moment telling you all the sins he had committed and the reason he was on the cross and excusing himself for being on the cross. He did none of those things. He simply said, in one translation, remember me when you come into your kingdom. What a great, incredible, inspirational prayer to help all of us remember that you already know everything about us. You don't need us to give you the list. Today, we just recite our repentance. With every head bowed and every eye closed, those of you here today that have yet to accept Christ as Lord and Savior of your life and You've looked to try to find acceptance because you really do want it. You want to be loved and you don't like what you've done or where you've been or how you've lived. We've all been there. Hopefully today has helped you to see that it's the performance of Christ, not the performance of man. And today you can accept that performance on the cross as yours because we are the righteousness of God in Christ. There is no other way for us to achieve righteousness. And if you say, today, I want that in my life, it's real simple. Remember me. And I want to ask you with heads bowed and eyes closed to make that statement by simply lifting your hands. So those of you that say, I need to say today to Jesus, remember me. I want to ask you to slip your hands up right now.
just say, that's me. Just slip them up, put them right back down. That's all I want you to do. First service had several people. Uh, all of you kind of look like you're saved. And that's wonderful. And that's what we're about. We want you to be the person that Jesus died for you to be.